Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, Sean, Karen, it's time for another episode of Market Watch in partnership with Cadence. You guys excited about that? Oh, absolutely. It's perfect timing. We got a new president to his house. (laughs) And we got some executive orders happening. And of course, when we have this Market Watch with Cadence show, in comes the fourth member of the band. Prath is in the building. The brown man. What's going on, everybody? Good to be here again. What's up, Prath? Seems like we haven't spoken since last year, Prath. It's been a lot, a long time, man, since last year. <laughs> it has. It's not like much has happened in the last 30 days, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, update us, brother. Update us. Bring it in. What's been going on? What's happening in this world? Let me know. I wait for you. Everything well, under the sun. Let's be more specific, Sean. How about, Prath, why don't you give us a market overview? What's going on in the market in, now that we're in 2021? Yeah, so now that we've kind of flipped the page into 2021, you know, I think most investors out there have like a clean slate that they can, you know, kind of begin building their portfolios again and kind of readjust allocations. I think after the wild ride that we saw last year, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of portfolios are like imbalanced just because you saw a few stocks really run up. So if you held Tesla, for example, and now all of a sudden it contributes to 40% of your portfolio, that's probably not a risk you want to continue to hold. So you're seeing like a lot of rebalancing activity taking place uh, with institutional investors and savvy retail investors as well. But, you know, we also saw the election or results rather in the inauguration. um, And and honestly, like there wasn't much of a a huge market impact, uh, right? You know, kind of directly following all of that. Um, In fact, when you saw the... uh, you know, the, the, the capital riots the same day that the market was up, which is just crazy to think about, right? It's just like there's there's zero emotion in the stock market these days. It's it's a lot. As of it, it should. I, as it should. Uh, yeah, I mean, as it, as it should, I suppose. But I mean, that just goes to show you that the market really didn't think that that was going to have a long-term effect on anything, that it was, wow. you know, sad to see, of course. And we all were disgusted by what was going on. Um, but, you know, investors were like, well, this is just another day in Trump world. And thankfully, we don't have to live there anymore. You know, well, that was going to be that was going to be my punchline, Prath, as a joke. 
and it's actually a reality. You know, the crazy, and not to get too into that, but the crazy thing is, like, there's rioting going on in the White House, and we can't tell the president, we can't con- contract, contact the president because he's the one that started it. And the markets are saying, hey, we know this guy. <laughs> We're used to it. Yeah, but isn't that, isn't that good? Isn't that a good thing? Doesn't that mean that the mark, because, you know, I, I remember, like, little pieces of news having these big effects on fluctuations in the stock market, and it seems from an outside perspective seems silly to me that, you know, it seems just purely emotional, not rational. And maybe we've been a little bit desensitized over the last four years to these little things. So maybe what really moves the needle in the market is something big and, you know, people storming the Capitol, like you said, Prath, (laughs) disturbing and, and upsetting. I mean, it was viscerally really crazy to see, I think for everybody, no matter who you support. But as far as the markets go, I think maybe we've become a little bit more um, resilient or robust. I think resiliency is, is definitely there. I mean, one could say it's resilient. One could say we're desensitized. Uh, the net result is the markets don't care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pratt, the markets, obviously, you said they, they don't really care about some of these headlines. But but let's talk about the first uh, few days of the Biden administration. He, he signed some uh, executive orders and, and we, we made a list of some of the the, the headline key executive orders, not that they aren't all important, but we, we identified 10 of them that we'd like to run down with you and see if there's any kind of financial impact or just your thoughts. Um, so let's jump into that. Yeah, sounds great. Let's run through them. Well, the first one, since I am an immigrant compared to all of you Americans, kind of <laughs> was like... Um, with any, Mr. I'm an immigrant too. I was, I was born in India and I came oh, here when I was uh, you know six months old. I, for the record, was born in Israel and came here when I was three. So watch your mouth, Sean. (laughs) I stand to be corrected. I stand to be corrected. I'm sorry, you fellow immigrants. Okay. I'm a native native Californian here. Okay. Well, uh, I say collectively, us immigrants, in the exception of Matt, I apologize, you young six-month, one-year immigrants. (laughs) Okay, with executive order, Mr. Biden, President Biden, I should say, sorry, correct me, has blasted the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program that protects from deportation immigrants brought to the United States as children, often called DREAMers. Mr. Trump sought for years to end the program known as DACA. The order also calls Congress to enact legislation providing permanent status and a path to citizenship for those immigrants. Not a press. A path. A path. Excuse me. A path to citizenship for those immigrants. There we go. Yeah, this is this feels like a big deal because, you know, I DACA alone would prevent the loss of 800,000 skilled people from the workforce. because Those are people who grew up here. You know, those aren't um, people who just crossed the border. They're they're kids who came here, people who were born here. And also deporting DACA recipients costs so much money. It could cost $60 billion and reduce economic growth by $280 billion, (laughs) just crazy. So repealing DACA actually could cost um, the United States over $460 billion in economic output over a decade. Also, just the impact on low-wage jobs, like, you know, especially like in California, where I'm from, you know, the, it, it'll help keep the cost of produce low. The immigrant workforce is impacted heavily on or impacts our, our pocketbooks in a lot of ways. In lots of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, just thinking about all the economic um, implications of this, you know, and how it trickles into perhaps the financial markets, you know, there's there's a ton of you know, companies that rely on these types of workers, right? Um, whether it's in the food food industry or service industry, 
um, you know, if, if we were to remove uh, a large swath of the workforce that would be able to support these companies, you know, they'd, they'd be in dire straits. They'd have to, you know, figure out what to do. So I think it's a, it's a net benefit for, for all of those that, that kind of employ folks uh, across, the, across the country in, in these kind of service level jobs. Um, so, you know, if you want to make a financial play around that, I think it's maybe looking at some of these, you know, large employers across the country, the Walmarts of the world, the, you know, the food giants uh, of, of the United States. Um, although I would say that the, the impact is probably going to be relatively muted. It's not like you're going to see a huge spike in these stocks. I think it's just a, a benefit for the long-term trend of them. Agree. And if people don't even know, some people may not even know, Mexico is U.S.'s second largest trading party next to Canada. You know, in 2017, they reached a high of $616 billion in trade between between both countries. And it was actually declining since the Trump years. So, you know, hopefully we'll start getting upwards movement. And my guys at my favorite restaurants can come out now and, like, peek themselves out there, peek their heads out. I don't have to be scared anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'll, get my, I'll get my food the way I liked it. Pre-Trump. <laughs> let's All right. go to number two. Yeah, guys. let's go. Yeah, let's go to executive <laughs> order number two. Another executive order that revokes the Trump administration's plan to exclude non-citizens from the census count. Um, this executive It's an executive order that also pushed aggressive efforts to find and deport unauthorized immigrants. So more to do with immigration. Any thoughts? I know with census, a lot of it was discriminate as far as where dollars were allocated, where government resources were allocated. And they were saying, you know, by not excluding these people, money wasn't given to parts of certain communities and neighborhoods. So now that, you know, this has been corrected, the flow of money and goods can be brought back to communities that are in need, that are in need of it. So, you know, for those people that are living in, you know, neighborhoods that are challenging neighborhoods, this is something that you should be able to see a direct effect of um, this executive order. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. It's it, there. I think that there's that, um, that direct benefit. And also there's, there's the indirect, you know, there's the politics of it that if unauthorized immigrants who are, you know, part of this country, obviously were removed from the 2020 census, um, appointment count, three states each could lose a seat they would otherwise have in Congress. And in addition to those seats, 11 more would gain or lose seats based on population changes. So that has pretty far reaching consequences for, like you said, Sean, allocation of resources, um, national politics in general, the Electoral College, and that would influence other elections to come and other allocations of resources. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Yes, I think all that makes sense. I mean, from from an allocation or reallocation of resources perspective, it's just great to see, you know, folks in the community be able to get represented and potentially get, you know, the the vital, you know, resources, whether that's, you know, in the form of government assistance or whatever it might be, um, into their hands. So I don't think it really has, you know, a direct impact on the financial markets, but it's obviously great to see you know, local communities benefit from, from something like this. Okay, great. That's great. Let's go to number three executive order, the, the Muslim ban. Um, Mr. Biden has ended the so-called Muslim ban, which blocked travel to the United States from several predominantly Muslim and African countries. And, you know, my first thought is like work. When I first moved to this country, I was working on Wall Street. I was working for Chase and Payne Weber. And a lot of our tech support, our tech people were of people that were on like some kind of work visa status from India from um, African countries, Middle Eastern countries, um, where they were here on work visas and banks were big on hiring them. So I'm just hoping that this kind of opens up the gate to bring back those skilled laborers because I saw the added value with skilled laborers from overseas. They just bring a lot to the table, very hardworking, very eager to learn. And, and I think um, America benefits from that. So I'm so happy 
to see that this ban has been lifted because I know a lot of my friends, Muslim or not, were just kind of discouraged to come work and live in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great to see. And, you know, I think this is particularly great for um, just kind of inclusion, uh, right, from a global perspective. I think when Trump put that ban in in the first place, uh, it, it sent a message to the global community saying that, like, listen, we're we're looking inward here all of a sudden. We, we're not accepting of of everybody and you know that that also has implications from from a business perspective too you know if i was sitting in a in a muslim country and i saw this take place i would i would want to do less business with the united states at the end of the day right so i, I think this does kind of open up uh more conversations more cross-border activity more foreign investment uh coming from you know these countries that were impacted and the people you know that, that come from these nations so i i think on the net on the margin i think it's a great thing all right, well, let's move on to executive order number four. Um, it's halting the construction of the border wall. We've heard for the last five years about building that wall. Um, well, Mr. Biden has halted construction of Mr. Trump's border wall with Mexico. Uh, the order includes an immediate termination of all national emergency declarations that allowed the Trump administration to redirect billions of dollars to the wall. Karen, do you have any additional info on this? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I, I'm not trying to turn this into a political show and take a side one way or the other on the border wall, but the border wall is a massively, massively expensive project costing billions of dollars, and the cost is actually more than just the construction money. It's got a huge uh, possible environmental impact, leading to more financial costs like you know damage to wildlife, wildlife habitats, border ecosystems, um, resulting from construction and maintenance of the border wall. That's going to impact people too, indigenous peoples who live along the border wall are going to feel the impact of that. All of that costs money. Um, and, you know, that has to be taken into account when we take on such a massive project like this that that hasn't existed for so many years. And slash rumors, allegedly, you know, a lot of these contracts were privy contracts to a handful of Trump supporters and so forth. People that funded him were given these contracts. I'm, so I'm curious to see you know, where, you know, the, the, the story behind some of these contractual agreements that were put to design, to build these walls. So I think it's all a good thing that they put a halt to it. And there's something just perception wise that, you know, that the United States has decided to not have this wall, I think will do good for the economy overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's certainly an explicit, um, you know, impact from, from this executive order for all the people that were involved in building the wall and the construction companies. And I'm sure there were a few, like, you know, perhaps publicly traded companies that would have benefited as well. Um, but the implicit cost of, again, sending the wrong signal to the world and particularly to Mexico and Latin America that, you know, we're building this wall was never a good thing. Right. So seeing that this is no longer a priority of the United States, again, kind of opens up the conversation again with with business leaders and uh, political leaders from these countries that, you know, want to create business relationships with the United States again. So uh, similar to the Muslim ban, I think this is great. Yep. And that leads to my number five, one of my least favorite executive warriors, once again, which did not make sense to me. I didn't even understand. I know people could agree with it, you know, was the leaving the Paris Agreement. And now Biden signed an executive order to reenter the Paris Climate Accords within the next 30 days from now. Loving that. 
Right. And so, you know, it seems like on the face of it, this is just about the environment. But actually, of course, the environment has a massive financial impact globally. It's the Paris Agreement has significantly lowered global projected temperature rise from seven degrees Fahrenheit to five degrees Fahrenheit. That's 3.9 Celsius to 2.8 Celsius. Um, That's huge for the environment, right? Less climate devastation is going to occur. And that means that even though we still need more action, it's not perfect. This agreement can further limit disastrous climate damage thanks to climate commitments if it's secured. That's we're talking billions, maybe trillions of dollars. Yeah, I think this this issue in particular, um, you know, we've seen it take place in the market even before you know this executive order was signed with the run-up in all of the you know EV electric vehicle stocks last year, Tesla being the, the prime case, obviously. But everything that was kind of green energy or renewable energy oriented. Uh, as soon as the you know election results came in, you saw you know a, a huge rally in these types of stocks because of uh, the anticipation of something like this happening. So um, I don't think the executive order was the catalyst, but I think it just reaffirmed to the market that this is in fact a priority for this administration, and it'll help boost all of the uh, you know the renewable energy companies out there. All right. Well, e- executive order number six we wanted to cover is about equality. President Biden also revoked. Trump's executive order limiting the ability of federal agencies, contractors, and other institutions to hold diversity and inclusion training. Americans of all backgrounds have equal access to federal government resources, benefits, and services. I mean, I I think that's just self-explanatory. America is a melting pot country, and it's a diverse country, so putting up things that, that, that allows people from diverse backgrounds to feel included I don't know. It just speaks for itself. I was I didn't even know this existed until I re-researched this mm. show. And I was just even shocked that there was even an executive order allowing companies to be like, oh, you know what? You don't want to be diverse. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we well, got you. Giving people legally enforceable, equal access to fe- federal government resources, benefits, services, that has to be a good thing for, you know, having a, a proper distribution of wealth, equality of opportunity, all of that kind of stuff that makes this country great and is the American dream. Yeah, and, and uh, I think it kind of taps into the broader theme that we're seeing in in markets where you know diversity uh, and inclusion is being rewarded from from the investment community. Um, boards are becoming more diverse. Uh, you know, kind of the C-suite level of these public companies are are under pressure from investors um, to diversify a bit more, whether that's on the gender level or you know on a racial level. Um, and I think there's going to be more and more kind of ESG related funds and ESG related kind of investment activity that, you know, values and prioritizes diversity um, and, you know, requires, you know, this level of uh, a level of commitment to to this theme uh, in order to you know kind of fit their investment mandate. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. Number seven, evictions. President Biden, Biden is moving to extend a federal moratorium on evictions and has asked agencies, including agriculture, veterans affairs, and housing and urban development departments to prolong a moratorium on foreclosures on federally guaranteed mortgages that was enacted in response to the coronavirus pandemic. This extension will run through at least the end of March 2021. I mean, you know, as many as 40 million Americans are thought to be at risk of losing their homes in the middle of a global health crisis. We're in a plague, guys. And that figure is four times greater than during the Great Recession. It's huge. There would be a domino effect on the broader housing market, the economy at large, and it would bleed into other industries. It could potentially be absolutely catastrophic. 
Yeah, at the real estate level, I think it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out with, you know, all the landlords that are out there and kind of how they can. <laughs> Excuse uh, me. With, <laughs> <laughs> Sean feels attacked. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it comes down to like who they answer to, right? If you're a landlord and you, and you own a property, but you actually have a mortgage on that, um, then maybe, you know, it works out because you can kind of get this moratorium. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know the intricate details, but I do think that it has probably a negative impact on real estate in general uh, across the board because the buck has to stop somewhere right and unless the government sure. it's well, going to be uh, difficult and, to plug back out in defense of the tenants you know i can only speak on my tenants on my behalf they've been quite responsible to be quite honest with you i haven't had anybody trying to gouge the system and take advantage of what's going on you know i think true americans understand that and try to do the right thing i can't speak for all americans but i would say from a landlord perspective i haven't had like like a lot of like pushback on what's happening what the, what's going on so I'm proud of us. All right, everyone. So we've gotten through seven of the executive orders. We have a few more to go, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more PRA and our market watch in partnership with Cadence. So keep it locked for more Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We'll be right back. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are talking about President Biden's executive orders. It is our Market Watch episode in partnership with Cadence. Our special guest is the fourth member of the band, Prath Ready. Prath, are you ready? I'm always ready. All right, you stay ready. So the next executive order is regarding student loans. President Biden is also moving to continue a pause on student loan interest and principal payments through the end of September 2021. Although progressive groups and some congressional Democrats have pushed Mr. Biden to go much further 
and cancel up to 50,000 in student debt per person. Karen? Well, um, as you know, student debt cancellation is going to massively increase the amount of cash people have available to spend in the economy, um, possibly by $90 billion per year at a cost of $1.5 trillion. So in a recession, that might be a good idea. Yep. And um, forgiving the $1.5 trillion in loans will likely boost economic output during the current downturn by between 115 and $360 billion, which is a lot. Raph, how do you feel about that? Any impact you see in the markets with the student loan? Yeah, yeah. I think this one's interesting. I think it's similar to kind of the stimulus checks that everybody received um, during COVID, where, you know, if you didn't necessarily need it for paying bills, a lot of people kind of put that money into the stock market. And that's the reason why you saw, um, you know, a lot of consumer related stocks kind of rally. So I would imagine to see something similar here where kind of that retail investor demand uh, will continue to be there um, just because there's more money in people's pockets. Man, I wish there was student debt cancellation in my years when I graduated three years ago. I would be in such a better position. But hey, I think it's great. <laughs> you young people now, you have the opportunity to that same money that you'd spend on your student loan, hopefully use it wisely. And like, I think the government's going to get it back anyhow in some kind of tax form anyhow with the money out flowing. But I think having that money flowing out there for people to do good, good purchase goods and services, like Prath was saying, is, is a good thing for the economy. That rolls into number nine. Number nine, guys, raising the minimum wage. President Biden signed orders aimed at boosting food benefits for poor Americans, clearing a path for federal workers to get a $15 an hour minimum wage and directing the Treasury to find ways to get stimulus checks to eligible Americans who haven't gotten them as yet. So this is uh, political and controversial. Um, there was a nonpartisan congressional budget office estimate in 2019 that a $15 minimum wage could eliminate 1.3 million jobs. But on the other hand, by boosting the income of low wage workers who keep their jobs, a higher minimum wage, it raises real income, lifting some families out of poverty, stops a poverty cycle, and, um, you know, in general, gives people more money. So it, it, people don't agree on this. I have mixed reviews myself. I think if you raise the minimum wage, doesn't the cost of living actually go up as well? So isn't it all kind of voided, null and void, Prath, over the long term? Yeah, I mean, I think there's arguments on, on both sides for sure. I think on the margin, it's probably beneficial for the economy. But, you know, it's, it's all very industry specific, right? So businesses that are running at thin margins um, where their wage costs are, you know, a huge contributor of, of kind of their overall cost structure, something like this could tip them over the edge to you know, becoming unprofitable, right? So I think those industries that, you know, are leaner that can kind of support higher minimum wages will, will do just fine. Um, but the ones that, you know, are, are right on the line, I think it'll affect them and ultimately they won't be able to participate in an economy that would be benefiting from people having more dispensable income or just kind of a higher living standard. Latte is wow. going to double now to like $8 for a latte now. Well, but but that's been kind of the trend throughout, you know, this past year or whatever it has been that we've seen like a radical changing of kind of the guard, like fats kind of being trimmed. People are being really innovative. Like it might not be there might be a silver lining to that as well. And I also think it's a it's a good way to combat, you know, inflation that we're seeing elsewhere. Right. Like we just talked about student loans, like the cost of education in the United States is is, is incredible. 
it, it hasn't been at the same pace as everything else. Um, and I can probably rattle off, you know, 10 other things where the cost of those goods or services have far outpaced, you know, wages. So at the end of the day, I think it, it's about time that it catches up. Um, and if that kind of floor needs to increase and that, that needs to be done with, uh, with the assistance of the government, then, then so be it, because I, I do think that it's lagging far, far behind. All right. Our next executive order is killing the Keystone Pipeline. President Biden formally announced he was revoking a key permit for the proposed Keystone XL Pipeline, the second time a Democratic administration had scuttled the $8 billion project in less than a decade. Prav, can you give our, our listeners, anyone who's unaware or maybe just doesn't have the full scope of the information of what this is, a, a breakdown of the Keystone Pipeline? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is a, a world I know really well. So, you know, actually, before I joined Cadence, I, I, I worked in banking and specifically covered um, the midstream energy sector. And so, you know, pipelines are built by these, you know, very large companies um, that operate in the midstream sector. And by midstream, I mean, you know, transporting oil or natural gas from the location in which they are um, kind of mined or, or, or kind of taken out of the earth. And they're transported uh, via these pipelines to ultimate distribution centers. Um, so the upstream category is kind of taking it out of the ground. Midstream is sending it somewhere. Uh, and then distribution is like, you know, sending it to gas stations so you can actually pump it into your car and stuff. So this pipeline is nothing more than actually transporting, um, you know, natural gas, oil from one location to the other over a very, very long distance. So it's literally a pipe in the ground transporting energy. From Canada through the United States, right? Exactly. Okay. Sucking us dry, like you Americans love to do to us. <laughs> Taking us for our natural resources. Sound familiar? Uh-uh. Well, actually, Biden is canceling this. So actually, we're not taking your natural resources since you're you're no longer you, you flip flop American, Canadian, Canadian, American, Brooklynite. But Correct. I'm a North American. How's that? All right. Well, Pratt. Or well, actually, Karen, don't you have yeah. some, some additional info on this? Um, a, pipeline. a little bit of interesting fact. So on one hand, it creates, it would create a ton of jobs, 42,100 skilled jobs, according to the State Department, only 35 permanent jobs. <laughs> Once the pipeline's actually complete, the 42,000 jobs is uh, including indirectly related. Wait a second. So just say that again. So it's 42,000 <laughs> to build it, and when it's done, it's just 35 people. Yes, then it can be maintained with what? a skeleton crew of just 35 people. So it's like potato. Watching the oil, the just watching paint dry, right? Just watching the oil chance through the go through the pipe. Well, it's I like mean, I think the pipe is uh the pipe seems like a pretty self-directed thing, right? I mean, you just things just go through a tube. But also on the other hand, as far as economic but also global impact, um burning the actual tar sands, the oil from the tar sands that would flow through the pipeline into the United States would increase the earth's by a minimum of two degrees Celsius, which would be like crazy devastating to everything and cost us trillions and trillions of dollars. So I guess you make up your mind. Yeah, and that's the really interesting part about this whole project and how inefficient it is, is that it's actually taking tar sand um, related kind of oil output, which is like the worst way that you can, you know, possibly (laughs) find on this planet because it just takes so much energy to actually get it out of the ground and put it into that pipe in the first place. So it's like, you know, bad building the pipeline. It's bad transporting the stuff that's going into the pipe. It's, it's just bad all around. <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing Biden is kind of holding back on and canceling it then. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good thing for, for the environment, certainly. And, you know, I think it sends a strong message to just the oil and gas industry saying that we don't need to be this desperate in trying to find, 
you know, fossil fuels and, and having to kind of run this, you know, um, energy paradigm that we've been in for so long. When we have renewable resources that are becoming a lot more efficient, why are we bending over backwards trying to extract oil out of tar sands and mm-hmm. send it halfway across the continent? That just doesn't make any sense from a lot of different levels. Are there any funds or, or like in terms of investors, or is this going to impact people's investments that, that maybe we're betting on this happening? It, it, it can, right? So, I mean, oil and gas is a huge uh, sector within the financial kind of sphere. So, you know, there's a lot of companies that, that are associated with, you know, this midstream segment that I mentioned before. Um, a lot of them are more focused on natural gas than oil. Um, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue. But, you know, for anyone who has an overweight, you know, in their portfolio to energy and oil and, and gas, um, you know, you may see some, some, you know, kind of underperformance this year just because of, you know, the, the renewed focus on renewables and clean energy that this administration has. And this executive order is nothing more Got than it. a continuation of, of that trend. Um, well, my question is, do you think that this is it forever for this kind of pipeline? Like this has already been, been uh, you know, initiated or canceled twice. So is this like the death blow to this and future kinds of this project? I think I, I don't want to I don't want to say that it's the death blow, but I'm, I'm, I will <laughs> say that it, it will, you know, kind of deter these types of companies to pursue these projects because they are, you know, kind of facing so much backlash and so much headwind in trying to get the government to approve them. Um, so they all need to finance these projects as well, right, on their end. So if, if they can't get this pipe done and they raised all this money to kind of hire the contractors and get the materials and, and kind of ramp up to build this and they're not actually able to finish it and then start generating the revenue from the pipe with the 35 employees that they'll have permanently <laughs> going forward, then it's not a model that works. And, and I'll say this on a side note. Um, I've been really looking into like solar energy and where everything is going. And actually COVID just helped accentuate like how good solar energy, how efficient it is right now. And people during COVID were finding alternate ways to save money and everybody was going COVID. And they're saying, you know, to heat a home through solar versus gas and energy, it costs a dollar a day to heat during solar. And there's no big set of storage tanks or anything like that. It's just the sun beaming down. And with lithium batteries getting so much better, they can store the energy a lot longer now. So even myself, like my house in Barbados, I'm putting solar panels throughout, you know, and there's solar farms, which you can, you know, get on a grid, sell the energy back to the grid, sell it to a community. I just think solar is like the really right way and direction to go and getting rid of these fossil fuels and fracking and all those kind of things. So I'm psyched on, I think, it's like for all those listening, I think it's a great time. Hopefully, Prath, you agree to like really look into solar energy because it's really now everything's going there from electric cars to all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of moving my portfolio for a little bit of real estate as always, but getting into solar energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage also thinking about renewable and solar um, as more of an infrastructure play as well. Um, you know, the way that utility companies and, you know, kind of electric utility companies generate. The electricity needed to power homes and businesses um, and everything across the United States, the source of that energy is kind of a huge driver of, you know, energy dependence and kind of where it comes from in this country um, because they're the biggest users. Um, so if you follow where these utility companies are generating this and pick the ones that are more reliant on renewable uh, going forward versus running, you know, kind of these fossil fuel generated plants or something else, 
um, that might be a good play as well. So one name that just kind of comes to mind is, is Nextera Energy. They're you know publicly traded. They're a utility company that's big, kind of in Florida and and in the southern United States. But they you know produce most of their energy from renewables, and they've had kind of a target um, to get to kind of 100% renewable over time. And they've done really well over the last few years. So, Pratt, that's super interesting. Is Cadence looking to, or does, is Cadence involved heavily in renewables or solar? Is that something you guys are interested? Are you stuck on pipelines? <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly something that we're exploring. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a big play that, like, you know, in order to actually get a huge renewable project off the ground, like, you need a lot of money. And, you know, on our platform, we're really in the business of kind of funding smaller kind of lenders and so for the most part you know those projects are being done by you know really large investors that we aren't really kind of focused on and and frankly i mean you know if if the economics work in those models the interest rates being offered to investors should be much lower and so for our platform it it hasn't been a good fit from a return perspective either got it good all right, the final one, the big finale. I need a drum roll because I, I self-entitled this last Okay, one. so you have a white person here for... The non-rhythm Jewish white girl, yes. A nice arrhythmic drum roll. Stop Trump executive order. Um, this one, Mr. Biden issued a freeze on all new regulations put in motion by his predecessor, a.k.a. Donald Trump, to give his administration time to evaluate which ones is, is want, he wants moving forward. The memorandum is aimed at preventing so-called midnight regulations policy pushed through by a, a lame duck president uncons, unconstrained by electoral co- considerations. The fast pace often cuts short the opportunity for the public or industry to review the policies. So I love this one. I mean, to me, it was a final, like, Trump you or I mean he probably never expected this one to happen like oh all the things that you were trying to put in we're just gonna put a freeze on that right now till we figure out the hell you were thinking (laughs) that's what I call the stop the Trump um executive order yeah but is this the first time this has ever been done I mean surely surely this must happen that like exiting presidents um sign a bunch of executive orders and then the next person's like actually no isn't that like a middle finger executive order? Like, isn't it really that's what it is, kind of? Yeah, so it's kind of like a catch-all. Like, it, it covers everything that the other 20 executive orders that Biden put in place didn't happen to catch for whatever reason. All right, well, executive orders are the order of the day. And uh, we appreciate you, Kraft, helping us break down these uh, executive orders that President Biden has instituted in his first week in office. Uh, that brings this market watch episode to a close. Pratt, do you have any final thoughts or, or anything you want to say to our viewers in 2021 that want to get down with Cadence? I'd just say I'm looking forward to a solid year with the new administration and a lot of great opportunities out there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to coming back on this show and, and continuing to drop some knowledge. Awesome. Well, that brings this episode to a close. Like I said, I'm one third of two black guys. With good, actually, no, I'm one fourth right now today with Kraft <laughs> in the mix. Let's just say I'm a part of the show. And like I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And with President Biden in effect this week, a lot has changed. So pay attention, read up. And I'm Matt Smith and I'm about. 
I'm Karen Margolis, one-fourth. Today, one-fourth. It's like a Jewish holiday. <laughs> Today, we are four <laughs> Black guys with good credit, and I am one of them. And you can say hello if you're around on social, Karen Margolis, K-E-R-E-N-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S, on TikTok, Karen Kardashian. And I will see you guys in our next episode. I'm Sean Linda, the better. Fourth, I'll say this kind of two black guys with good credit. I love our Cadence shows. I love what the energy that comes out. So I just want to thank Prath and Cadence as always for coming on two black guys with good credit. If you have any Cadence questions, you can also send them to our Gmail and we'll forward them to Prath. It's tbgwgc at gmail.com, or you can go directly to Cadence website. It's Cadence, C-A-D-E-N-C-E dot I-O. I owe. There you go. I owe you some money. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you once again. And we're out of here, good people. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.